Good day and welcome to the Waystations Ministries podcast. I'm Greg Spencer with a light for your journey and a good word for the road. It's great to be traveling together and I thank you for coming with me. Let's ride together for a while. Hi friends, it's Greg with Waystations Ministries podcast coming to you live, well, maybe not live in the Waystations Ministries podcast. It's always a pleasure to try to share the good news, and I hope that it's making a difference for you and for your friends and for your families. This is a time that we need good news in our lives and a good way to live our lives and to live towards something that we know is good, and that's what these uh, are all about. So I thank you very much for your time, for your attention, and for your spirit. I pray God's blessing to be with you. Now, we've talked about a couple of things in recent weeks about grace. Grace, which is a word that's very common in Wesleyan tradition, but it's another word for it could be love, the love of God, very specifically. Uh, And uh, so we're talking about the third dimension of what John Wesley talked about faith and for grace. There's the prevenient grace, grace that does not depend on human action or human thought, grace that comes before humans are even aware. And the principle is that everything we do, everything we say, everything we think, every way we live is a response to the grace of God in our lives. The second dimension was justifying grace, which we talked about in terms of God individually, intentionally connecting to our lives and purpose and trying to help us to find the best way for ourselves using our gifts, our talents, our experiences, and that love being made manifest in the circumstances around us and his presence with us. Now, it doesn't stop there. The third dimension is called sanctifying grace. Sanctification is a church word. It's a big word. What it means is being made perfect. Justification is being made right. Sanctification is being made perfect. Now, John Wesley believed that it is possible for human beings to become perfect. He didn't know too many. (laughs) I don't either. (laughs) And you probably don't either. Uh, But he did say it was possible. And so what I'd like to do is share with you uh, from the United Methodist Book of Discipline, our understanding of sanctifying grace and perfection. And now, again, let me remind everybody that this is not saying that Wesleyan tradition is better than any other tradition or any other uh, Christian faith or other paths of faith. I truly believe that all paths of faith bring blessing to the persons, or at least most of them do, because they're geared towards helping people to understand themselves, find meaning for their lives, and to have a sense of future and a positive direction for that future. So the ways that people find to be effective in their lives have value, and the different traditions, the different faiths speak very clearly to their adherents and to the people who are drawn to them. My thinking is that each person needs to understand what they believe and why, that they should understand the values and follow them. They should understand the principles and hold on to them very dearly. And if you do that, I think our relationships with each other will be better. Our relationships in the world will be better. I think our quality of life will improve. And I think that that's good for all. 
for my sake, I have found, uh, for my case, however you want to refer to it, I found that the Wesleyan tradition is the most effective for me, and this is the one that's called me into ministry and helped me to share and proclaim the good news in this way. So I don't apologize for it. I think it's great. I know it's not for all. But when we understand each other's traditions, we learn the benefits that each one offers. Some of you know that I'm a martial artist, and I've studied Eastern religions and Eastern philosophies, and I found good things to come from them just uh, significantly as I have in the Christian tradition, and I'm very grateful for it. And putting those two things together, I think, has been helpful in understanding ways of life and ways of thought and uh, help us reach one another and create peace with each other. So... I'm proud of the faith that I have, but I'm also willing to learn from others, and I think we should all be on a path of learning. And that is what Wesley talks about in terms of sanctification and perfection. Here's what the Book of Discipline says. We hold that the wonder of God's acceptance and pardon does not end God's saving work, which continues to nurture our growth in grace. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are enabled to increase in the knowledge and love of God and in love for our neighbor. New birth is the first step in this process of sanctification. Sanctifying grace draws us toward the gift of Christian perfection, which Wesley described as a heart habitually filled with the love of God and neighbor, and as having the mind of Christ and walking as he walked. This gracious gift of God's power and love, the hope and expectation of the faithful, is neither warranted by our efforts nor limited by our frailties. I know, that's that's pretty uh, holy language. <laughs> but I think what it means is that each one of us has a never-ending journey in front of us. And we should be striving towards perfection, that we try to improve the quality of our lives. And we do so by following the principles that we believe, by holding on to those values, by sharing the word with others to help them get on their path, and to try to improve the quality of life for everyone, that we love God. And because of that, we love others. And because of that, we do everything we can to improve our relationships with each other and the quality of each other's lives. That's grace. That's love. That's the love of God in us, around us, through us. So anyway, let's try to unpack that a little bit. Let's try to understand that a little bit better. So I'm going to use a scripture that comes from the book of Matthew in chapter 19, verses 16 through 30. And it's a story. It's a story of an encounter that Jesus had. Now, you'll find this is true in other uh, gospel stories as well. They, they tell the same story in a different way. But I think this one's most effective for us, at least for this time. Someone came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you ask me about what's good? There's only one who is good. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? <laughs> I love that. Which ones do I have to follow? The other ones I'll just ignore. Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Also, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that 
if you're keeping count, that's not all 10. (laughs) The 10 commandments are designed that whatever we do, we shouldn't do these things. There are some things that we should do. There are some positive ones in there, but a lot of the bad ones, a lot of the negative ones are whatever you do in your life, don't do this. It causes harm to others. It causes harm to you. It causes harm to your relationship with God. So that's what we hear and what Jesus says, the most important things. Don't kill. Don't cheat, especially on your spouse. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. You shall not be dishonest. Honor your parents, your family, and love your neighbor as much and in the same ways that you love yourself. Okay, so the young man says to him, I have kept all these things. What do I still lack? Now, if he's kept all those things, it seems like there's still a hunger inside him, doesn't it? It seems like he does not feel like he's quite there yet, that even though he's trying to be obedient to the instructions or to the commandments, maybe he's trying to justify himself, maybe he's trying to make himself important, but it sounds to me like there's a question inside that hasn't been fulfilled. There's something that he needs, and he's recognizing that, and he's trusting Jesus to tell him. Jesus says to him, if you wish to be perfect, go, sell your positions, possessions and give money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Wow. If you wish to be perfect, go and sell all your stuff and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. And then go and follow Jesus. Well, it might be hard if you don't have any money, right? (laughs) You might have some hesitation about that. And certainly that's what we hear with the young man. When the young man heard this word, he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. If you're going away grieving, you've made your choice. He's not going to give up his stuff. He's not going to give up his wealth or how he's made it in the world. In other words, he has this question. He knows he's empty. But he's not willing to do what it takes to not be empty, to be full, to be happy, to have eternal life, to have his questions answered. And that's a choice that many people make. It's unfortunate, but they do. And that's what, as this scripture goes on, Jesus says to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it will be hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Wow, that's a little scary, isn't it? Well, people are rich not just in things, not just in financial wealth or possessions. Some people are rich in pride. Some people are rich in arrogance. Some people are rich in self-image. What happens is they fill their hearts and they fill their minds with stuff that doesn't lead toward the kingdom of God. They fill their lives up and leave no room for God or for grace or for love to to have an influence. That's what he's talking about. You've allowed this stuff to be owning you. Well, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astounded. I love that. That's such nice words. They were freaked out. (laughs) <laughs> they said, who can be saved? Oh my goodness, if if they can't be saved, maybe no one can be saved, and that means us. Jesus looked at them and said, wait a minute. For human beings, it's impossible. For, for God, all things are possible. This isn't about you and your being perfect. 
God is perfect, is what he's saying. Peter said, look, we've left everything and we followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said, I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man is seated at the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on thrones judging the tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But for many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Now that's tragic. I know a lot of people who try very hard to build their egos, to build their sense of self-esteem, to build their sense of worth, to feel good about themselves, and yet they are so hungry for it that they'll probably never get it. I've known people who have longed for this or for that, and they keep striving to get it. And as soon as they get one thing, they immediately let go of that and look at the next thing that they want. They are driven by their desire, not by their accomplishments or their achievements. And so there's always looking for the next thing to make me popular, the next thing to make me famous, the next thing that'll help me have more. And uh, they're always hungry and they're never satisfied. That's unfortunate. I I think we can be satisfied at any level. I think there are people who are prosperous who can be satisfied. I think there are people who are poor that can be satisfied. Because of the sanctifying grace of God, being made perfect and having the right values and the right desires for our lives. So sanctifying grace um, can be defined in the way that uh, Wesley put it, is that we are going on toward perfection. And I've often described it as like a stairway. And uh, every step you take brings you closer and closer to the perfection that God talks about and what we heard in the, in the uh, book of discipline about having a heart habitually filled with the love of God and neighbor. Love being the central characteristic. In other words, we become more loving as God is loving. We become more loving like Jesus is loving. And that takes a while. It's going to take a while to sell all your possessions, isn't it? <laughs> it's going to take a while for you to be able to let go of the things that hold you in your heart or in your mind or in your life. The things that possess you sometimes are hard to let go of, and it takes time to do that. And it takes intention to do that. You've got to work hard at it, but it's a good thing to work hard for. Currently, as I'm doing this particular podcast, the Olympics are going on. And it's been very intriguing for me to watch what's going on with the Olympics. On the one hand, we talk about the Olympians as being this, the best of the world. And they all compete with each other. And, you can, and what you see is the joy of the glory of winning. We see that in everyone who wins a gold medal, a silver medal, bronze medal. But we also see the disappointment of those who don't make it to the medal platform whether they make a mistake or whether they fall or something like that. Uh, other ones are superior to them. You see the dejectedness. And that's unfortunate that they do that. And I think it's unfortunate because every single competitor in those Olympic Games is the best of the country they came from. They have already won countless competitions to get to the place where they could actually go to the Olympics. And they find themselves so dejected because they are not the one, the best in the world. But they are the best from their country. 
they have known the joy of victory all the way up until this particular competition. And we've seen some who have lost for more than one Olympiad. We've seen them come together for two, three, four times, and uh, they have won some and they've lost some, and they love what they do. I don't know how bad the dejection would be. I remember Sean White, who uh, came to the end of his uh, career as an Olympic uh, competitor in his particular sport. Um, And I think the tears were partly for leaving the sport, but partly because of the joy and the appreciation he had for being a part of it for so much and being so influential in the creation of that sport. Well, this is the thing about going on toward perfection. To be loving God and to be loving others is to minimize yourself a little bit. And the disappointments that you have are not worth comparing with the joy that you already have from God. The bad things are not worth comparing with the love that we have. The fear is not worth comparing with the joy or the hope that we have. These are the things that make our lives rich and meaningful and worthwhile. It's not the adversity. It's not the problem. It's not the obstacle. Jesus said this in another part of the scripture in the Gospel of John, where he says, nothing will be impossible for you. Well, if we take him at his word, what that means is it's not a question of something being possible or not possible. It's a question of how do we overcome it? What do we have to do? Do we have to climb over it, go around it, go underneath it? Do we have to break it apart? Do we have to get some help? If nothing will be impossible, the only question is how do we get past this particular obstacle? And that means that we're living by hope and determination that we will overcome this adversity, this problem, this illness, this disease, this uh, competition, this anger, this emotion, this guilt, this shame, these mistakes. For us to become perfect is to be taking steps towards that. Now, we're not able to think about it 100% of the time, but when our heart becomes habitually filled with a love for God and a love for others, that covers an awful lot of mistakes. We find that we are able to let go of those things which get in the way and hold on to the good things that lead us in that right way. Oh, I hope someday that we might become perfect. I think it'd be awesome if we did. But my guess is that when a person becomes perfect, in, at least in Wesleyan terms, where they love God continually and they love one another continually, I don't think the idea of the acclamation of having been made perfect is that important. What is important is the love and the joy and the peace and the richness of life. That's what's important. Not getting credit or not being a star, not being the one out of everyone, but rather wonder, being joyful and being a part of the kingdom of heaven. To get to that point, I'm guessing that when you cross from this life to the next, you may not even notice. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, I know that this is some heavy stuff, and it's uh, some stuff that I think is very worth thinking about. I hope that you will. I hope that you find it helpful. First, God loves us all and provides to us all. Second, God cares for us individually and leads us with intention and provides for us with intention and a variety of blessings. Third, he gives us the sanctifying grace where we invest ourselves and we follow 
with faithfulness and with love and with hope and determination that we overcome ourselves and our limitations and the things that happen around us and we get closer and closer to the joy and the peace and the confidence that Jesus had and the love of God that is eternal with us and we become those eternal persons. I would love this for to happen for everyone so that we are no longer victimized, tyrannized, or broken, but rather are able to live through all things with hope, with peace, with confidence, with joy, oh, with meaning in our lives. It doesn't get diminished by how hard it is or what the obstacle might be. Well, I thank you for your time. I hope that you'll have some time to consider these things, and maybe it'll be a blessing for you, whatever your tradition might be. And I hope to see or to hear you or to connect to you in whatever way we can next time. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Waystations Ministries podcast. We're here for you, and I'm glad that you're here for us. Thank you so much. See you next time. Well, I'd like to thank you for being with us this time and hope that you'll join us again next time, next week, when we get together for a little more time on the road together. May it be good for you all the way through.